0: It's amazing to come back to church at the beginning of January and still see our beautiful Christmas decorations. Isn't it stunning? The stars twinkling, the wreaths wrapping us, still smelling a bit of pine. I'm glad the dead poinsettias are gone. But in in Spanish-speaking countries, they call this Dia del Tres Reyes, the day of three kings. And we call this epiphany because epiphany means seeing of the light or light around or revelation. And there's this moment in time when the story in Matthew's gospel leads us to this place where we think about a baby being revealed to some more folks. It's kind of natural in a way to take the Christmas stories that are in Luke's Gospel and in Matthew's Gospel and try to smash them together and make them one story. But it's just not really true. Luke is the one who's got angels showing up in Mary's room, an angel singing from heaven, and Luke is the one who's got shepherds out in the fields going to find the baby. Um, That's Luke, women and angels. But Matthew's got something different. Matthew's got a a genealogy story. And those of you who were here Christmas Eve had the lovely pleasure of hearing me and Amanda and Christina read all those begats and all those weird names. But Matthew's genealogy is about telling us who Jesus is, you know, this baby, this one to be discovered, if you will, the one to be revealed, is born of a particular people in a particular time. They are Jewish people. It's a story that goes from Abraham being called out by God and told he's gonna make a whole big nation with his old self, all the way to David, who's a bad king, tipping around on folks, making babies, Uh, true. But all the way from Abraham to David to Jesus with lots of women in the story, Matthew tells the story to locate who it is. Then he continues in his gospel to talk about where he's from because Matthew wants to make sure that we understand that this is the promised Messiah. So who he's from matters because the scripture said he's coming from Bethlehem. So Matthew wants to make sure we understand that though he was from Nazareth, which is in Galilee, which is in Palestine, all my friends who hate me to say hes from Palestine, he's from Palestine, from Nazareth in Galilee in Palestine, but moves to Bethlehem when being tax counted with his parents and is born there. Where he's from matters to Matthew. Because he's setting up a sermon that he's preaching through the whole gospel and that sermon that he's preaching in the whole gospel is that this is a contest, a conflict between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of our God. The kingdom of Herod and the kingdom uh, bequeathed to a little Palestinian Jewish baby by the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Leah, Rachel. Matthew is setting up a a conflict that he's gonna take all the way to Palm Sunday where the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God are gonna have a big old clash of values that leads to the crucifixion of this one called love. In the meantime, in the moment that John read for us so beautifully, Matthew isn't doing angels and shepherds. He's doing Herod the king and three folks who've been called kings but who actually are not. They are magi. The word magi means magician or wizard or sorcerer or dream interpreter, but not king. They are Persian or Babylonian wizards, astrologers. They make their living reading the stars and analyzing dreams and telling the future. They got tarot cards in their backpacks, if you will. <laughs> these guys, these magi, are used to reading stars and look in the sky and see a star. And the star they see rises and guides them across lands until it stops over the house of Mary and Joseph. We're out of the, we're out of the manger now. Now they've, they've gone there, they've had the baby, they've pushed the baby out in a boil of hay, and now they are living in this town. And these wizards from Persia travel across lands to get to this place where the star stops. Now, over all these centuries, um, scientists have tried to justify this story you know there was a an asteroid there was a i don't know falling star maybe even a ufo (laughs) something that justifies this light but matthew isn't saying that actually matthew's saying it's a miracle it's a an unusual miraculous moment because the star is not going from east to west like most stars do, like all of the stars do because of the way the earth turns, the star is going south the southwest, that doesn't happen. Matthew wants us to know, and this has happened and it's noteworthy now. Why is it noteworthy? It's noteworthy because of the people who are looking, who are following the star. These are not Judean shepherds, they're not from the Jewish countryside. These are rich Persians, Babylonians, from faraway lands who were on a mission to find something, something. Something they had heard about, something they had seen about, something they had wondered about, that they saw in the stars, that caught their imagination, that leads them all the way to a town called Bethlehem and the house of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Who, what are they looking for? Even by the time Matthew writes this gospel, which doesn't happen until about the last third of the first century. By that time, the the stories, the, the, the things that have been said by a disciple named Matthew are being captured by a writer named Matthew, maybe. A disciple of the disciple, Matthew. And there's already like a kind of desire to Christianize the story. What I mean by that is a little criticism of the sorcerers. You can kind of feel it. And the implication is those sorcerers, those Gentiles, those non-Jewish folk, walked all the way, found stars and stars there, and then they found the baby Jesus, and sort of there's a sense that they converted or something. But they didn't. That's not what happened. What happened is that they were looking for something and the question, the existential angst, the, the desire they had for love or, or light or healing or hope or something magical, they happened to find in that place. And they found it in the place and their desires, their yearnings were answered, but they didn't change their stuff. Like they didn't stop being Persian wizards, is what I'm trying to say. They remained magic doers with tarot cards and spells. They stayed outside of the frame even as they found the answer to the question. You hear the text. They go, they see the baby, they give the baby gifts, they give homage to the baby, and they go back home. They go back along their way they don't show up at Herod to tell him where the kid lives. They just go back home. There's nothing really in the story that tells us that suddenly they became saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm trying to say. Are you with me? They, they didn't suddenly become Jewish and get circumcised, nor did they suddenly become Christian and go, oh, and be filled and speak tongues. No, they just were wizards. <laughs> they came as wizards and they left as wizards. <laughs> They came as magicians and they left as musicians. But this thing that they wanted, they found it. I like to think that they were transformed in the finding, in the seeking. They were looking for the baby and they found the baby. And they got to stay themselves, if you will, as they encountered the baby. It was A human seeking of something, an answer to a question, a a desire to be fulfilled, a a, a hoping for meaning, a, a leaning in for transformation, but they got to be themselves as they found it and they got to stay themselves as they had it and nobody made them jump through hoops or do confessionals or catechisms to get it, the thing they wanted. Are you tracking with me? It was easy-ish. I mean, they had to walk. (laughs) And there was a a star, a light guiding. But they got it. And nobody tried to keep them out of it. Nobody tried to tell them they weren't good enough for it. Holy enough to have it. Jesus-y enough to get it. Um, confess the right confessions enough to be worthy of it. They just got to have it because the light led them there. So it's a new year and a new day and I, you know, was drinking wine and eating cheese in Paris. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but yet I'm still thinking about you because I love you. And it's like that. And I was thinking, what is our New Year call? I don't know why my hair is doing that. What is our New Year resolution? What's our New Year intention? And I was thinking that our New Year intention is grounded in the last couple of things we did last year. I wish you could all read the emails that were in my inbox about Christmas Eve. I wish you could see the middle info notes that went to Ellen and I wish you, maybe you have seen the stuff on Facebook and Twitter. Some of it is unkind, like as in what the hell, (laughs) but mostly it's unbelievably affirming. People who couldn't get out of their houses that night, people who were stuck indoors, people who've not been to church in years, people who were put out of their churches because they were divorced or they didn't say the right creed, or because they were gay, or because they were black. I've never seen a place like that. Who knew love could look like that? I've never seen a choir that mixed up. I've never seen a community, amen, I've never seen a community (laughs) that looked so much like the world. I've never heard music so transforming. I never heard a sermon so crazy town. I mean, so whatever. <laughs> okay. I never heard that. <laughs> <never heard> That's <laughs> not my point, That's not my point. Okay. Okay. Okay, Okay. thank you. I never heard it said so simply that that was love in the manger. Now, I'm really proud that I got to say it was love in the manger, but I'm sad if nobody ever heard that before. Right? I'm proud that we got to say that's a brown, Palestinian, la-la-la, all the things about the baby. But I'm sad for anybody who doesn't know that that's true. Think of all the good news you've missed if you don't know that's true. Think about all the ways, all the people looking for the baby who've been looking for the wrong baby because they didn't hear those words before. Looking for the wrong baby. Looking for some baby that's like a a capitalist baby or like a... (laughs) (laughs) some baby that's, you know, I don't know, some white European baby, sorry, white people, some, you know, (laughs) some baby that like doesn't, because if you think that's the baby you're looking for, then you can shoot the brown babies. Just because their mommy went shopping at the Walmart. If you've been looking for that baby, if you were searching for that baby and hadn't heard about this baby called love, then you think it's okay to put other babies in cages because you just have been looking for the wrong baby. Understand what I'm saying? And those magi that were looking for the baby, they didn't have to like be proof texted to find the baby. Like the baby wasn't withheld from them is what I'm trying to say. So middle family, you moved the world, man. Like a million people saw you being love. Wrapped in flesh. Wow. And that just sets us up for hard work. <laughs> Dag on it. <laughs> Natalie was in my office bossing me around. Digi Pastor, now we're gonna have to grow a real digital community. Okay. <laughs> Because those 70 people who wrote those personal letters are saying, where's the church like this? And we can't refer them to one like this. There's other ones that are amazing, but this is the church they want. So we're going to have to give it to them. Okay. (laughs) That's it. This is the kind, they want to be able to pray. They want to be able to sing. They want to be able to do activism. They want to know this God of love. They are looking for what the Magi were looking for, and we have to help them find it. Somebody say, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) Mm mm-hmm. So this is not like the first sermon, huh, and Tammy? Um, This is the one I really wanted to say and didn't think I had time for (laughs) this morning. We have work to do. And we've already started it. You are the most stunningly generous, giving, badass, throw down, let's go do it, people in the world. And one thing I need, two things, three things, I want you to do, (laughs) three things I want you to do. One thing I want you to do is anybody who didn't see the CBS show, I want you to share the links with them. That's just easy evangelism. And what I mean by that is not converting people to anything except love just, that's a conversion. You with that? Look at this, love. It's right there on the website. You don't have to think. Boom, 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 boom. And love. Go to track six and see glory. You know, just love. Okay? Can you do it? I didn't feel convinced by you. Yes. Okay. Okay, good. Two, like us. I'm undercutting Natalie's talk, but like us, all the places. I don't know the places, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, like us, so then we send something in the world, you can send it in the world, and we're promising to send more theological stuff in the world, not just activism stuff in the world, but theological stuff in the world. That's Natalie bossing me around too this morning, but like this is why, this is why the Magi weren't kings, they were wizards, and God made space for the wizards. Do you see what I'm saying? God wasn't against astrology, who said that God was against astrology? But some real good down-home theology so we can teach people how to love from a place of biblical strength. Because okay. the other Jesus that they're putting in the world, <laughs> they're putting out in the name of the Bible. So we want to put the counter-narrative of the love God in the context of the Bible, are you with that? And the third thing I want you to do is to bring friends to church. We're crowded, so it can feel like there's not room. But see, there's room today. Because people at home, honey. (laughs) So I want you to think about bringing people to church who need to find this place. My neighbor's at church today. My new colleague Rod's at church today. Who needs to come and find this place? Can you do that? Okay, those are the three things for you to help them who are seeking the baby to find the baby. And what will you do for you? You are a student of the Holy One. I don't know that 15 minutes from me on Sunday morning is enough. It's good. But I wonder what else we can do together for us to be more studying the Holy. Will you think about that with us? Will you help Amanda think about that? Will you help Bertrand think about that? Will you help me and Derek? Will you help us think about that? You don't have to tell me today, but I want you to tell me how we're going to study love together. And that's it. That's all I got. In a moment, we're going to go to the communion table. And when we get there, you know, when I was a young kid in the Presbyterian church, we used to say lots of words before we took communion. The great prayer of thanksgiving. The Lord be with you and also with you. We lift up our hearts and we lift them to the Lord. It is truly meet and right that we give God thanks and praise. I like those (laughs) words-ish. But I think those words sometimes set up barriers. So it's a simple liturgy today to invite you to come just as you are, as you came the door, to commune with the Holy One, with the loved one, the one who will take the wizards. The one who will take the wizards and the Wiccans, The ones who'll take the atheists and the agnostics. The ones who'll take the Hoover Christians and the light Christians, the Christian lights. And the ones who'll take the Jews and the Buddhists and the Muslims, just exactly as they are, because that one only requires love, period. Period. Amen.